If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 106 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on July 25th, 2021. Now, my friends, as always, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, yours truly, myself, and Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like the very one you're listening to right now, Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Visit the website, I promise you. You'll be glad that you did. You'll come back and say, Mike, thank you for telling me to visit the website. That's ball9.com. And follow them on all social medias, at ball9. And know what you don't know. And also, guys, do me a big favor and help to spread the word about Yapping Yankees. And at the same time, stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees. And you can do all of that by following me across all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me over on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And, 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 and remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all the platforms it's available on. Show it some love. Smash that like button on YouTube. Leave good reviews elsewhere. The whole deal. And you could do all of that on all the platforms it's available on. Again, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Ah, how you doing, my friends? <laughs> another week, another episode. The last one of July, as a matter of fact. That's right. Next Sunday, it's going to be August already. August! <laughs> I always talk about how time flies. Well, you want to tell me that it doesn't feel like two minutes ago when I said back in April that the season's going to zoom right by, like always, despite being back to 162 games? Well, it's doing just that. Next Sunday is going to be August freaking 1st. (laughs) I just can't believe it. I really can't. And with that happening, time on the season continues to wind down. Time for the Yankees to get into a playoff spot continues to wind down. Lots of baseball still to be played, yes, but the clock continues to tick. The trade deadline approaches. Lots has been going on. Busy, busy times, both in Yankee land and throughout the whole baseball world altogether. And for the Yankees, it was a pretty good past week, except for two crucial losses Thursday and Friday against the Red Sox. And I'd be lying to you if I told you I wasn't still ticked off about Thursday. I mean, my God. Another freaking late-game meltdown. And honestly, if not for that, they'd be looking to take the series today in Fenway. Ugh, so annoying. (laughs) 
even if they split the series today, the division, honestly, in my opinion, I mean, for the most part, it seems pretty cooked for the Yanks. You might as well focus on the wild card for now, primarily. Just take one thing at a time. This freaking team, man. <laughs> With the losses they've had and how embarrassing this season's been in the grand scheme of things, shooting for a wild card primarily, scrounging for a playoff spot, after all the expectations this team had coming into the season. <sighs> We've been through it all. We need not discuss that anymore right now and waste time in the introduction on things we've already beaten to death. <laughs> Instead, let me set the table for you today, huh? Let me prepare the meal for you. <laughs> I'm Italian, that's my specialty. First up for the entree is nothing you haven't heard before. Injury and roster updates. <laughs> you also got news on guys finally, finally returning from the COVID injured list like Luizaga and Cortez, who are both already back. Gio returning today, he's in the lineup. Could not be happier about that. And Judge and Higashioka on their ways back still. And obviously, as far as recap, we'll recap last Sunday's game against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium, all the way through to the current Red Sox series at Fenway. That'll have its final game played in about... an hour and 15 minutes or so from when I'm recording now, and hopefully that starts on time, because right now at the time I'm recording, there's apparently a tarp on the field at Fenway. It's a bit of crappy weather here in New York this morning, so I think it's the same for Boston today, but hopefully they get that tarp off soon and they can get started on time and play some Yankees-Red Sox today. But before all of that, with news and recap later, I know, we all know, the main talking point for this coming week, the trade deadline. The deadline approaches this Friday, the 30th, and we've spoken a lot about it on this show already the last few weeks, as we know, where the Yankees' needs lie, who's available, the whole nine yards. And with it being mere days away now, that's what the social media segment's going to be about today. So as usual, we've got a lot to get to, so let's get it going Starting with our trade deadline social media open-ended question for this week. And I just said what it was about, so obviously the question is... The trade deadline is days away. Which moves do you want the Yankees to make? And of course, leave your ideas below in the comments for a chance at your reply being read on the show today, which I will do momentarily after I give you my take on this. Now... I'm not going to go into my usual 20-minute diatribe on this because, as I said in the introduction, the trade deadline has been a major topic on this show, and particularly in this social media segment, for weeks now. So we've spoken about this at great length. As I said before, who's available? Where are the Yankees' areas of need? And I've well established that the Yankees need an outfielder. They need an outfielder, or maybe even two. <laughs> That'd be even better. But they could also afford to get some starting pitching, and also with how he's spoken about how unreliable the bullpen has even become lately. I mean, if you could even get a relief pitcher, that'd be great too, but that's a lot of moves that I don't see Cashman doing all at once at the deadline. So I do think it's safe to say the Yankees are going to buy at this point, like I've been mentioning that they've been saying for weeks and weeks now upon being asked that constant question by the media and fans and so on, because... Even though what I said before about the division, in my opinion, being mostly cooked, I mean, that could possibly change a little bit if they get the split in Boston today, because then they would at least leave Boston in the same spot 
in which they came in, seven games back. And that's not necessarily insurmountable, but it's a big task, even if there are still like two months left of baseball to play. And just with how good the Rays and the Red Sox are, there are still games left against them, vital games later on in the schedule. And I've mentioned that games like this weekend and the ones to come still in the second half are going to be the big determining factors of the division for the rest of the year. So there are still games left against them, like the upcoming three games set against the Rays. So, you know, those games are still important. And it's going to mainly depend on those games too. But if they lose those games as well, then it's going to just keep on looking more and more insurmountable as far as the division for the Yankees. So I think as far as right now heading into today, the Yankees only trail the Oakland A's for the second wild card by three and a half games, which is why in the introduction, I think right now, just focus on one thing at a time while you're still in such a big hole for the division. Just focus on the wild card for now as far as grabbing a playoff spot because you're only three and a half games back there and that is very, very doable. Even with all the inconsistencies and all the issues the Yankees have had throughout this season, it is doable. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but there's still a very valid chance. And I'm not going to fault anybody for saying, oh, you know, this team is far too inconsistent. There are too many problems and I just don't believe in them because you know what? After all the issues we've seen this year, I'm not saying they can't turn it around, but I can't fault people for feeling that way because it's been a really, really tough season if you're the Yankees and a Yankee fan. So I don't blame people for feeling that way, for lacking faith in this team at times based on some of the crap we see. (laughs) But at the same time, while I totally understand that, you also have to realistically acknowledge that three and a half games is not an impossible task, not by any means whatsoever. They could pull it off, especially if they do the right things at the deadline. And when it comes to that wild card, also another important series they have to be winning is the upcoming Mariners series, because the Mariners are one of those teams who they're competing with to catch up with the A's for the wild card. These are things that need to happen, and whether or not the trade deadline could change that is a big factor. Now, in speaking about the trade deadline, I've given my opinion about this again many times. I love Starling Marte, and I wouldn't have a big problem with getting Gallo either, because while he does strike out a lot... He does have a lot of power, which many may argue the Yankees have enough of that in the lineup. Fine, whatever. But he does check off his boxes too. As a lefty, he walks a lot. He plays great defense, which the Yankees are flawed in. The Yankees have had bad defense this year, as we know. So he does check off boxes. I wouldn't have a problem with getting him either. He's definitely better than most of the options they have right now, especially amidst Judge being out, for example. But Many of you know that Starling Marte has been my favorite one basically for months now, and he still is. I don't care if he's a right-handed hitter. He hits absolutely everybody, and he brings plus defense to the team. He's really good all around. So he's still my favorite guy to get. And with a team that has as flawed an outfield, a team that keeps on running Brett Gardner out there every single day like the Yankees do, I think they're in need of someone like Marte. But here's the thing. I don't want them just accounting for the 2021 season either. I want them to get someone that'll benefit them this year and that they can extend to help them for the future. I don't want rentals this year. And I know a lot of people have said the same thing, and I agree with them. I think the Yankees need to get someone who could benefit them in the second half of this year and benefit them going forward as a big piece for this team. And I think Starling Marte is good for that. Now, how much would it cost to get him as far as prospects or even people on this roster right now? That's a whole other story. And how much it would cost to extend him? Probably quite a bit. And would the Yankees value the luxury tax more? Well, we'd have to see. But 
there are certain people that I would sacrifice for Starling Marte and even a Joey Gallo, depending on the pieces. Like, for instance, people have talked about moving Luke Voigt. And I even said last week that after he got hurt, that depending on the deal, I would consider doing something like that. I would. So pieces like that, I think I'd be willing to part ways with. But other pieces, some people mention Aaron Judge. I'm not for moving Aaron Judge, as a lot of you know. I don't see the point in moving the team's best player this year. (laughs) I just don't. And you got to know the Yankees aren't getting rid of him because he's too marketable. Like, he's just too lovable in this town, and he makes him a lot of money. And they just revolve too much around him. I mean, it's just that simple. They're not going to get rid of him, and I really wouldn't be for getting rid of him. I just wouldn't. He's too essential, both offensively and especially defensively. He's a great defender, too, as we know. And this year, he's finally proving, well, can't control COVID, so he's been out for COVID, but this year, he's finally proven that he can stay healthy, so far at least, knock on wood, (laughs) but he has proven that. I'm not getting rid of the guy, but almost anybody else, you throw names at me, I'd consider it. I would, especially some more than others, obviously, depending, but I would do so, especially for an outfielder, because the Yankees desperately need an outfielder. And they could definitely use a starting pitcher, too. Of course, a lot of names have been thrown out there. Obviously, the main one being Max Scherzer. Of course, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But he would also want an extension, and the Yankees would have to. Because, again, I don't want somebody who could just be a rental this year. But I just don't see Scherzer happening. I don't know how realistic he is for the Yankees. If his asking price will be too much for Cashman, for instance, or what have you. You also have someone like Jose Barrios. You have... Danny Duffy out there. You have Herman Marquez. These are all names we've thrown out there before. You have all those options. You could look into them. And yes, if you're also tired of seeing these late-game meltdowns by the bullpen too, then you can look into relief pitcher options as well. But me personally, as I've said, I think the biggest area of need for the Yankees as of now is getting a legitimate outfielder. And since the wild card deficit is nowhere near insurmountable, despite all of the flaws the Yankees have had this year and all the crap we've seen, I think it's safe to say that the Yankees are going to be buying through the next few days. And they should primarily be targeting outfielders. That should be the main goal. So that's my take on it. I'm staying consistent with it. I've stayed consistent with that for weeks, and I try to stay consistent with all of my takes. I basically always do, and I try to keep it that way. But for the last few weeks heading up to the deadline, I've said, ah, you know, we'll see. I've given a lot of we'll see, and it depends based on where the Yankees are and what's going on come then. Well, I got to really give that answer this week because, you know, the deadline is mere days away, and by the time we talk again next Sunday, it'll have already passed. So that's my take on it. I'm staying consistent, and let's hear what you guys have to say down in the Twitter replies, and then we'll read a couple over on Instagram before moving on to recap. Let's see what all of you had to say about the deadline. First up on Twitter, we've got Rob at Laker 477. And Rob says, this team needs a new analytics department, a new manager, a new pitching coach, and a new hitting coach. As far as the roster, I'd love to see Marte and Story signed and extended. Yeah, Story's another one. I would say if you were to trade Luke Voigt, that's the route you'd go down for Trevor Story because you'd probably move DJ to first, you'd slide Glaber Torres back over to second, and then you could put Trevor Story at shortstop at his natural position and then, of course, leave Geo down at third base. So if you want to do that, then fine. If the deal warrants it, then then look into doing it. But 
As far as Marte, I would definitely think that's a higher priority. I mean, it's got to be. The Yankees' biggest area of need is outfield. They need that worse than they need the infield. I mean, they could use a first baseman who stays healthy, of course. We've spoken about that when it comes to Luke, and as I said before, I even said last week that with how many injuries he's had, despite the good things he's done, my patience for him has run extremely low, and if there is a deal that warrants it, I would look into moving him. So if you want to, and you could get Story and extend him, then that's fine, and you could also be getting that better defensive shortstop, but I would rather the Yankees go after the outfielder. They need an outfielder. And for months now, I've been saying Starling Marte is someone who I would love on this team, but like Story, you say, they would have to sign and extend him too. I agree with that. And as far as the analytics department, yeah, plenty of other teams use analytics fantastically. I mean, the Rays are just one of many examples. Some of the biggest powerhouses in the league use analytics great, and they have great success with it. So analytics themselves isn't the problem. It's good to have a balance of analytics and just having a feel throughout the game for how things should go. It's great to have a balance and incorporate numbers because baseball is a numbers game. Baseball is a numbers game, whether people like it or not, and analytics are important. But what's even more important than analytics themselves is the proper use of analytics. And the Yankees have shown plenty of times whether it be with lineup decisions, certain in-game moves, that they just have no idea how to use them. It's really flawed with them, like so many other things are in this team. But in any event, yeah, I, I agree with that. They need to use analytics better. Obviously, a new manager, especially like I've said, if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year, you can almost guarantee that Boone is gone at the end of the year. A new pitching coach and hitting coach? I mean, whatever helps. Pitching has been highly unreliable, but for the first two, two and a half months of the year, both starting pitching and bullpen-wise, do not forget how reliable they were. I mean, they were terrific. But just a lot has happened along the way. You lost Kluber, and you lost a bunch of guys in the bullpen to COVID for a while, whether it be Cortez and Luizica, and now they're coming back, and they've had Chapman lose his stuff for a while. Britain's been hurt on and off, so there have been a lot of factors with pitching, whether it be injuries or COVID, that have affected them for different reasons, other than just, you know, being straight up incompetent. So there are a lot of factors when it comes to pitching, especially in the back end of that bullpen, like I said, whether it be losing people to COVID or just guys that you would normally rely on big time, like Chapman just utterly losing his stuff, or someone like Britton getting hurt constantly, and then now he just doesn't seem to be as sharp with location, and his velocity's dropped. So it's a lot of things. But when it comes to hitting, yeah, I mean, the hitting this year. (laughs) Need we even go into it? We've spoken about it so damn much. (laughs) We know the deal with that. So Rob, I hear you, man. I do. But a lot of those internal changes, they ought to happen you know, during the offseason. Those are things that happen in the winter, not at the trade deadline. Up next, we have at Musician DMD, my friend Spencer. And Spencer says, tough question. Myself, if I was GM, I'd square in on pitching. That's the most likely move this team will make and has the most flexibility to make. I do know I don't want them to trade Judge or Stanton. Not likely to happen, but there's lots of chatter about it. Not expecting a splash. Yeah, I I would understand that. You know, at the deadline the last few years, the Yankees have been pretty stagnant come trade deadline time for a few years now, depending on the season. But yeah, pitching's definitely an area that some people want them to focus on, obviously with the instability of the starting rotation outside of Cole and the 
Lack of reliability in the bullpen with all the late game meltdowns that we've seen lately. How many times have we spoken about that recently? So when it comes to pitching, though, yeah, especially with starting rotation, all those names I mentioned before, Barrios, Scherzer, Duffy, uh, Marquez, just a bunch of different guys. But again, my attention goes straight to the outfield. It does. And that's where guys like Marte or Gallo come into play. I've mentioned Cattell Marte a lot, by the way, recently as well. And I'll continue to mention him now, but the reason why I've hesitated to mention him a little bit more this week and a little bit more last week maybe as well is because he's the one that I least expect to be dealt, especially amongst both Martes. He's the one that I expect to be dealt much less than Starling, that's for sure. Especially, I'm I'm almost certain that Starling is going to move, whether it be to the Yankees or somebody else, but it just depends where. And if he does, it better be the Yankees. But (laughs) regardless, yeah... As far as flexibility or luxury tax abilities in the eyes of the Yankees, a lot of that might come into play. As far as Judge or Stanton, Judge, I mean, some people are talking about trading Judge. I'm sorry, I just don't agree with that. I just don't. You could tell me about how flawed you think he is with striking out and with health in the past. And you know what? That's all true. The guy strikes out a lot and he's had health problems in the past. But this year, he's done a very nice job outside of getting COVID, which is an outside factor that he can't control, of course. But outside of that, he's done a very good job proving his health this year. And, you know, striking out's always going to be a part of his game. So until you accept that, it's going to be tough for you to accept Judge. But otherwise, he's very valuable to have around, both for his playing abilities and for the clubhouse. He just is. And as I said before, because of how popular he is throughout the whole game of baseball, how marketable he is for the Yankees, it's just, he's not going anywhere. He's not. So get over it. And I wouldn't be okay with him going anywhere. I mean, it would cost an unbelievable haul, and anything short of an unbelievable haul would be a travesty. But especially as far as Stanton, I mean, first of all, he has a no-trade clause. That's first. He has a no-trade clause. And second of all, you'd have to find a team to take on that monstrous contract. And I don't see anybody else really doing that outside of a big market team, maybe a California team. Boston's a big market team, but I don't see them going after him. So Stanton's here to stay too. So I agree on both things. I don't see either of them going anywhere, but it has been being spoken about, but I don't see it happening. We'll have to see Spencer, but I, I understand your points. I do. All right, let's keep going. I'm spending a bit of time on these first couple answers. Let's keep going. Up next is at Tim LaCastro Burner, and they say CJ Crone, Marquez for Andujar, and lower tier prospects. Well, I think you're going to have to give up far more than that for Marquez. <laughs> Marquez is a pretty respectable pitcher. He's not godly, but he's he's respectable. You're going to need a lot more than an injury prone Andujar who can't play the field and lower-tier prospects for that. That's just not very realistic. And C.J. Crone, I mean, it depends who you're giving back for him as well. I mean, if that's grouped together, I mean, with Andujar and lower-tier prospects, that's not going to cut it either. <laughs> so, C.J. Crone is, he's not a, a blow-me-away amazing first baseman, but he'd be a hes be a help there. But you're going to need to give away more than Andujar and lower-tier prospects. <laughs> that's just not going to cut it. Next we have at Bill Brown 35 and they say what I want Gallo and a starting pitcher. What'll happen? Maybe a reliever and a good chance that Cashman does nothing. Yeah, Cashman certainly loves to stock up on those relievers and given all of those late game meltdowns we've seen, I mean, 
They could choose to shoot for one, as I've said. That could be an option. And of course, him doing little to nothing, or nothing at all, that's happened in recent past trade deadline times, that he hasn't really done much significant. So, I'm not going to say you're absolutely ridiculous for feeling that way. And Gallo in a starting pitcher, that's ideal. As long as they go after an outfielder, a competent one, and a starting pitcher, that would be solid. That would be good. Next, we have at LJ Carey Jr. And they say, get Odor off my planet after he throws the ball into the stands. This low 200s batter is a wild man in the field. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) I even said when Odor came over that he would give you average defense at best. And that's what he had been doing up until recently. But his defense had been a bit better. It's felt like anywhere a ball is, he's there to get it. Of course, he's talking about yesterday's game, Saturday, when Odor had two big errors with Tyone on the mound in the beginning part of the game, and yeah, that was ugly. Those were <laughs> those were bad errors, don't get me wrong. But scratch those errors, and he's actually been playing some pretty respectable defense lately, a bit better than I expected. So, and obviously with the bat, he's actually been a big pulse with that especially in big moments in particularly more than anything. I definitely think this team's problems go far beyond Rugnetto Door. <laughs> so I don't know if I would, you know, focus in on him when it comes to the team's problems, but yeah, when he makes his mistakes, it's frustrating. But when anybody fails on this team the way they do, it's frustrating. So, yeah, but those were two bad errors. They were. I'll give you that. <laughs> but they did end up winning the game. They did win the game. And in large part, thanks to that two-run double that he hit later in the game to make up for those errors. So, up next we have at Cool Simmons, and they say, Cashman won't do anything anyway, so it pretty much does not matter. Well, it's not really relevant. I mean, you know, what do you want? That's what I'm asking. What do each and every one of you want? And I did actually end up replying that to you, and then you responded back, I want Starling Marte, Scherzer, and another reliever for the pen. Oh, there's the answer. (laughs) As much as I would love Starling and another starter like Scherzer, that's just a lot for Cashman to do that I just don't see happening as much as I would love that. (laughs) And again, people wanting a reliever as well, especially given all the late-game meltdowns. Tough to blame anybody for wanting that. But that is an awful lot for Cashman to do that I just don't see happening. But I understand wanting that. That would be ideal, especially outfielder and starting pitching. That's that's really ideal. And it would definitely cost a boatload to do all of that. At Double Joe 7 says, The Farm and Glaber for Scherzer and Turner. Lock them up. Maybe a relief pitcher too. Well, who in the farm? <laughs> the entire farm? You're giving everybody away? All your top 10 prospects, including Jason Dominguez as well? I don't know about that, especially if you're just getting Scherzer as a rental. I mean, I don't know. I mean, listen, you give away a lot for Scherzer regardless. I'm not arguing that, but the entire farm and Glaber, I mean, regardless of how we feel about Glaber now with his horrible hitting this year and his defense the way it's been at times, I mean, listen, for a rental, and Turner, Turner would be big too, but I don't know. That's a lot. The entire farm. I'm not looking a prospect hug here, but the entire farm... I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> You'd have to at least extend Scherzer for me to even start thinking about that. That's and, and a relief pitcher, too, of course. A lot of people want a relief pitcher because the bullpen's been melting down. I get that. 
Okay, up next, let's keep going. There's a lot of... Trade deadline discussion is just exhausting. It is. <laughs> uh, next is at C left 6 I think that's how you say it. <laughs> and he says, I think this season is beyond salvage, so I would be looking to sell and give the kids more playing time. Everyone in the bullpen except for Loisaga can go. I'd hold on to Judge and Geo as far as position players, but entertain deals for anyone else. Radical overhaul. This team has been boring except for a handful of games. I can't argue with that last part. The team's been hard to watch for a lot of the year. They have been. Nobody's arguing that. And anybody else who is just apparently hasn't watched much of 2021 Yankees baseball. But... Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of bullpen pieces, including Chapman and Britton, maybe in the offseason or something, I don't know, that I'd be willing to let go. I'd be willing to part ways with them if the deal warranted it, depending on the deal that would happen. But, yeah, I totally hear that. They do cost a lot of money, but if people are willing to take them on and, and whatever, you know, give someone back that'd make the deal worth it, then, yeah, I would definitely look into that. And Luizaga I would keep, yeah, I mean, Luizaga is just terrific. And he pitched a great first game back yesterday, just coming back from the COVID IL, and I hope he could keep it up. And I assume today, with Herman pitching, even though he's probably going to be on a pitch limit because he hasn't started many games in the last few weeks, that a lot of the bullpen's going to be used. But even if they are, I'm not 100% sure I would go with Luizaga today after just pitching his first game back after being out for a couple of weeks just yesterday. So, I mean, it also depends on the situation. But regardless, in any event, he's been terrific this year. I would say the best reliever the Yankees have had this season. So I understand that. And yeah, as far as Judge and Geo, especially with Judge, like I've been saying all segment long, yeah, I'd hold on to them. But anyone else, yeah, like I've said, a lot of people on this roster right now, I would at least listen to offers. At least listen. But as far as this season being beyond salvage, I think it depends on what happens today. I mean, I... I already think, personally, that the Yankees are not winning the division. I think the division is cooked, especially if they lose today and they end up being nine games out. Just It's too much of a hole to overcome, even if there are two months left to play. Just focus on the wild card, which coming into today, you're only three and a half games out of. So because of that wild card, I don't think the Yankees are beyond salvage. I think they could grab a playoff spot with the wild card. Which is why I think that they'll still end up buying by the time the deadline comes around, if they do in fact do anything. But, I don't think it's beyond salvage as far as the wild card. And like I said before, I don't blame you or anyone else for feeling that way because of all the crazy things we've seen this year. And all of the different ways that the Yankees just seem to find ways to embarrass themselves worse than before on a certain given day. I mean, I don't blame people for feeling that way about the season on the whole. But realistically, they are still only three and a half games out of a wild card spot coming into today's game on Sunday. So I wouldn't say only because of that reason that it's beyond salvage, but I'm still doubtful about it myself, but it's not beyond salvage because of the wild card. But about some of your points about who you'd listen with offers on and who you'd hold on to, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with those, man. I am. All right, already about a half an hour in here. Damn, time is flying. <laughs> Up next, we have at Michael Eddy 6 and Michael says, At this point, not sure I want them to trade top prospects for anyone, certainly not a rental player. They're going nowhere this season. See what you have in the farm system, and make plans to fill holes in the offseason. Alright, so just do some more things in the offseason and address things then. I mean, 
I hear that. Most moves happen in the offseason anyway, so I don't totally disagree with that. But yeah, as far as rental, like I said, anybody I'd get, I'd want to extend as well, so that's my take on that. And going nowhere this season, as far as the division's concerned, especially based on what happens today, but in any event, I think even if they win today and they're seven games out, that it's still going to be too big a hole to climb out of. But with that being said, I think the division is basically cooked, especially if they lose today and don't manage to split the series. But I think the wild card, it being only three and a half games so far at this point coming into today, I don't think it's guaranteed that they're going nowhere. I don't think it is. Now, if they do manage to make the playoffs through the wild card, what happens after that, I'm not even going to bother trying to predict. Because <laughs> we just have to worry about grabbing a damn wild card spot as of now. And based on all the inconsistencies and all of the crazy ways the Yankees find to lose games this year, that should be the biggest concern right now, just getting to the playoffs. <laughs> Which, again, based on the expectations coming into this season, is nothing short of a travesty. It's just awful. Embarrassing. Especially considering all the ways they've found to lose games this year. And this is coming from someone who's feeling really good coming into today after they won that awesome game yesterday when they were looking dead until the 8th inning, but we'll get to that later. Up next, we have Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and Rebecca says, I'd like to see Starling Marte with an extension. Definitely a starter and a relief pitcher, too. Need to improve this team for now and the future. Of course, I'd also like story depending on the price tag. As always, go Yankees. Yeah, at the very beginning, you know I agree with that, Rebecca. Marte with an extension, absolutely. Definitely a starter. I'm on board for that. And a relief pitcher and or story. I mean, that's that's a lot to imagine Cashman doing all the deadlines, so I don't know about that. You're probably getting one or two things at the most. So that's all I have to say about that. But I definitely understand wanting to address all those areas because all those areas need addressing. But first and foremost, with you like it is me, try getting a legitimate outfielder like Starling Marte and extending him. I completely agree. At Savage Empire Pod says, I'm not sure I want a move to be made that includes top prospects. I don't know if this team has enough or can get enough to put them over this year. Well, a lot of it's going to depend on the important games going forward, like today's game, like the Rays series coming up right after this starting Tuesday like the Seattle Mariners series next week, and any future games against American League East opponents. But honestly, right now, especially because their focus should primarily be on the wild card as of now, every single game is important. Every single game is important for this team. And they've got to stop trying to find new ways to lose in embarrassing and unforgivable ways if they want to have a shot. That's the hard truth, no matter how much you believe in this team. And given all those outrageous ways that they just find to lose, then, you know what, I, again, like I've been saying all along, I can't blame people for just not believing that they have what it takes. I don't think that a wild card deficit of three and a half games is insurmountable for anybody. It's definitely possible. So that's what's keeping my slight hope alive. But... I don't blame people for feeling pessimistic. I mean, there are some days where you just wonder, or at least I wonder, if the Yankees just lay awake at night, thinking of different ways to embarrass themselves worse than they did before. 
Hence, some other people might not think that they're just going to go anywhere this year, and they don't want to buy and give away any prospects. But honestly, because of that short wild card deficit, I definitely see the Yankees just buying, like they've been saying they are going to for weeks now. Cashman, Hal, all of them have been saying that they expect to buy unless they are so unbelievably out of it. But they're going to be looking at that wild card saying, oh my God, we're only, you know, maybe four or five or three games back, depending on where they are by Friday. And, you know, that's plenty close enough. So we're going to buy. That's most likely what's going to happen. And amidst everybody else making moves, there have been reports. The Yankees have checked in with this team about these guys, and they've checked in with that team about them, and they've checked in on this guy and that guy. Well, they haven't made a move yet. (laughs) So we'll see. Next up we have... Let's see here. At EricCop21. And Eric says, As long as it's someone that they're going to have for 2022 as well, I'm all for it. Well, yeah, anyone they acquire. I mean, I've said it. Many others have said it, both here and elsewhere, that they don't want just a rental. And I agree. Whoever you get, get them and extend them. After Eric, we've got at Julian Gallardi 1, my good friend Julian. And Julian says, Gallo or Marte and story. Getting Mad Max is unrealistic, but it would really fix this team. Yeah, getting uh, Max Scherzer would do unbelievable things for any team. (laughs) That's for sure. But I agree with you that it's unrealistic as much as I would love it. As I've been saying, I don't see it happening. And ideally, yeah, Gallo or Marte or maybe both of them, that'd be great. And maybe another piece, whether it be another starter or maybe Trevor Story, I'm not worried about Trevor Story. I'm not as worried about the infield as I am the outfield. The Yankees need to tackle the damn outfield. They need to do that. So yeah, Gallo or Marte, I'm on board with that. I really am. The infield, that's, you know, unless you trade away Luke Voigt at the deadline for any one of these pieces, you know, then you might have to go out and get a story for shortstop or something like that. But unless something like that happens at the deadline, then the infield is something you wait for the offseason to fix. Just tackle it then. Right now and for next year, if you could extend them, or in Gallo's case, you still have the extra year of control too for next year, then you go after the outfielder and you lock them up for next year as well. So I agree. All right, let's just do a couple of more and then we will read, I don't know, maybe like a couple of replies over on Instagram because my God, is time continuing to fly. I just lose track of time. I never shut up. Up next is at NYYFanForever96. And they say outfielder and starting pitcher or relief pitcher. Starling Marte or Joey Gallo for the outfielder. Starting pitching, Barrios or Scherzer. And the bullpen, whoever is doing well. Yeah, you know I agree with the outfielders. The starting pitchers as unrealistic as Max Scherzer is. Yeah, I mean, you gotta at least look. (laughs) What harm is there in looking, right? And Jose Barrios, definitely another solid option. And with the bullpen, again, yeah, some people may want to add a piece there because they've been beyond unreliable. So, I hear you. And I agree that if those were to be the pieces, that those should be the ones that should be looked into in all of those categories. And there have been reports that they've at least asked or looked into basically all of them. Next, we have at Big Recon Man saying, None! Too many holes to fill. Well, you just prefer to do it in the offseason then, I imagine, because, you know, there are a lot of holes to fill. You're absolutely right. There's no doubt about that. But when there usually are this many holes to fill, and reasonably so, a lot of people might say, well, just take care of it in the offseason then. 
I think that you could at least make a move or two now, but then, yeah, there are definitely other holes that I've spoken about, even at first base, and even with the outfield, depending on what they do at the deadline, with the bullpen, you got to look at the starting rotation, and even internally, and especially internally, but a lot of those options too, a lot of those other options, you could definitely look into doing in the offseason, and that's usually when that does happen, so I understand that. At Rick Lep 52 is next, and he says, none unless they can dig up Mantle, Rizzuto, DiMaggio, Gehrig, or Ruth. (laughs) If only. If only. All right, let's finish up with one more. Let's see. Uh, Let's finish up with at Jason Yanks fam. And they say, stand pat or sell whatever you can. Well, whether you buy or sell, I think the Yankees have done a bit too much of just standing pat at the deadline in recent years to do it again, especially when so many things need to be addressed this time around, so I don't see them standing pat. I hope they don't stand pat. I mean, whether they buy or sell, I don't want them doing nothing. They can't afford to do nothing. But for those who are looking for them to sell, I think you're going to be disappointed. I really do. I see them I see them buying pieces. And giving away pieces, whether it be prospects or people on the main roster. And I know some people who think the season is lost are saying, ah, you know, hold on to the prospects because you might want to build around them for the future or something too. I saw that in some other replies that I unfortunately can't get to because there are just too many as always. But regardless, I see that too. And, you know, if you want to get pieces that you want, you might have to part ways with some of them. But... It depends on who it is. I know that there are definitely people who the Yankees just refuse to give away. I know they refuse to give away this kid, Anthony Volpe, who we've mentioned. They refuse to give away Jason Dominguez. I know they want to try to build around him, so they refuse to give him away too. And a lot of people agree with wanting to build around Dominguez for the future. But regardless, you have your certain minor leaguers who are untouchable in the eyes of the Yankees. They just don't want to part ways with. But you also have the main roster. And like others have said, outside of Judge and Geo, if you're the Yankees, I don't see a harm in at least hearing what other teams have to offer for other guys. So, in any event, those are the Twitter replies that I was able to get to today. If I didn't get to yours, as usual, I'm very sorry. Just keep on trying every single week with the social media segment, and you know that I will get to you eventually, I promise. And you know the deal, if you want to see the replies for yourself, then just head on over to my Twitter page, it's at Mike Scudero, that's the handle, scroll down and find the Yapping Yankees question tweet, and go down in the comments and you can see all the replies for yourself about the trade deadline discussion. But whether you be on the side of the Yankees buying, or selling, or standing pat, especially based on what happens in the upcoming Rays series and where they are in the wildcard race in particularly at that point, I think we could all assume that the Yankees are going to be doing what they have been saying they're going to do for weeks now, and that is buying. Whether they buy insignificant pieces and who they give away for those pieces, or if they actually get significant pieces like Starling Marte or Joey Gallo or a starting pitcher like Jose Barrios like we've been talking about, and we would all love if they got any of those guys, or almost all of us, I assume. (laughs) But in any event, I think it's pretty obvious what the Yankees are going to do at this point as long as the wild card is somewhat close. But before we hop on to our weekly recap segment, let's just read a couple of replies over on Instagram because my god did time get away from me. (laughs) So we'll go right through those and then we'll head on to weekly recap and recap this past week's action and all of the commotion that happened 
And of course, there's commotion every week, so nothing new there. (laughs) And then after we recap all of that, obviously, we'll sign off for the day. But for now, let's head on over to Instagram. Obviously, same question applies. The trade deadline is days away. Which moves do you want to see the Yankees make? couple of replies here on Instagram. I'll just read through them. First up, we have my good friend Tina, MountainGal456, and Tina says, fill the gaps in the offseason. Honestly, I think they've dug themselves in a deep hole for this season. Look at the farm system, give them a shot, and worry about everything else in the offseason. Well, as I said before, Tina, yeah, there are a lot of people who think like you do, you know, they just think that even if the wild card is close, that there have just been too many painful losses for the Yankees this year. They just can't get much momentum because of their inconsistencies and all of the new ways they find to lose games. And given what we've seen as we're getting ready to head into August, that's not ridiculous to think, <laughs> despite how much baseball there is left to play. But I personally think, of course, that the wild card is not beyond salvation, but I also have those same doubts that you and many others have about the team's ability to make up games like that, even that short of an amount, because they have earned that doubt. They have. And when you have as many holes as the Yankees, a lot of people may think, you know what, it's too many to take care of or to even think of taking care of at the deadline. Just take care of it in the offseason. That's where a lot of it will happen anyway. And you know what? You're not wrong. Most of the problems could be addressed and should be addressed in the offseason. But as I said, there's no reason the Yankees shouldn't make at least one move at the deadline this year. Get Marte, or get Gallo, or get a competent starter like Jose Barrios, for instance, one of many examples. Find it in you to get one of those guys. You find it in you to find new ways to lose games often. Why don't you find it in you to get one of these guys and get them and extend them? So that they can help in the future too, like a lot of us have said. So, yeah, it's tough to blame you, Tina, for feeling that way. And I don't blame you for, you know, acknowledging that a lot of those problems and the Yankees have so many holes to fill, they just need to be addressed in the offseason because they couldn't possibly address even half of them at the deadline. And some don't think it's worth trying. And like I said, the only reason I have slight hope at this point, even through thinking that the division is basically cooked at this point is because of the little deficit with the wild card. It's not impossible, but it's going to be tough if the Yankees don't get momentum, and they could definitely do it after a game like yesterday. Yesterday, a game like that could definitely turn the tides. But how many times have we seen the Yankees maybe try to find their way, they win a really good game, and then they just collapse again? How many times have we seen that? (laughs) So... It goes back to consistency, guys, and the Yankees have had none of that this year, which is why a lot of people feel the way that you do, Tina, and which is why I have a hard time blaming you for feeling that way, despite my slight hope because of the little deficit of the wild card. So, as if I haven't said it enough 80 million times a segment already, that's my thinking on your reply. (laughs) All right, let's finish up with the usual final two. First up, we have my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic says... Get rid of Tyler Wade and get Didi back. (laughs) Well, listen, I know a lot of people love Didi, and I'm not going to fault anybody for loving Didi. Didi was a fun player here, and and he had his moments here. He really did. But that shouldn't take away from the fact that Didi is actually having a pretty bad season this year. (laughs) 
He hasn't really been stellar on defense like usual, and his hitting has definitely taken a hit. So just a little information on Didi there. I, I don't know about his on-field abilities warranting a comeback, but especially with his mindset and his clubhouse presence and how much fun he was, he brought a real air of positivity to the team. That's all true, and, and, I, and I definitely understand why people miss Didi because of reasons like that. So no doubt about that, but just a little tidbit there. He's on the field. He's not great. <laughs> and getting rid of Tyler Wade, uh, you got my endorsement there. <laughs> Let's finish up, as always, with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, I'm starting to believe no matter what trades or deals that are made in the coming days, it won't make a damn bit of difference if the players keep acting like little leaguers and keep making such dire mistakes that cost them crucial games. As long as they keep doing that, and other players already here don't perform up to par, none of it will matter. This team was supposed to be the bomb. Yeah, they were. They were supposed to be that. And instead they've been a bomb. Bombing our lives. <laughs> So, yeah, bombing our emotions on a regular basis. That's been their thing this year. But in any event, Mom, I totally hear what you're saying. And, yeah, they were supposed to be the bomb. The expectations coming into this season, like you said, is what makes this season such a freaking miserable one, like we've said. No doubt about that. And you're absolutely right about what you said also. I mean, they can make great moves for guys like Marte and Gallo and, and a starting pitcher like Barrios or Max or... Any huge difference maker. But there's going to be a limit as to how much of an impact it has if the rest of the team just continues to just underperform the way they have and find all different kinds of ways to horribly lose games that must be won. You're absolutely right about that. A major part of the problem this year has been essential players not performing up to par. You are 100% correct. Underperforming, underachieving, like we've said so many times. So... I agree, Mom. What you said is very, very true. It's hard to argue with. And the same goes for the rest of you. Really good trade deadline discussion. I think we really hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I think we have for weeks now, but I think this week was especially good. So heading up to the trade deadline this Friday, guys, we'll see what the Yankees choose to do or not to do. But we are mere days away from it. Friday the 30th at 4 p.m. Eastern. That is the deadline. And we will see what the Yanks choose to do, whether they already have a plan set in place, or if it'll depend on what happens in Tampa from Tuesday to Thursday, or who they'll go after and who it'll cost. Regardless of the millions of different scenarios you can dream up for the deadline, which is what makes this discussion so exhausting in the first place, <laughs> we will actually see what happens the day of on Friday. But until then, as always... I want to thank each and every one of you beautiful people who, as always, whether it be consistently, sporadically, or if this was your first time interacting with it, for interacting with the social media segment today. You know I appreciate it. You know I love you. And I hope you continue to do so going forward. But without further ado, because we are already like 50 minutes into this thing, let's get to weekly recap and fire up the Yapping Yankees time machine and head back to last Sunday. Hit it!
Alright, back to last Sunday we go, my friends. And if you remember, that was the final game of the bizarre three-game set that should have been a four-game set, but, you know, COVID. <laughs> so, anyways, the Yankees, in impressive fashion, would actually end up taking the series on Sunday and win 9-1. to Big win over the Red Sox. And again, without Judge or Geo. And without Luizaga or Cortez. And honestly, without all of them taking the series against the Red Sox, I'll take that every time. <laughs> I will take that every single time. Tyone started the game. I said that the Yanks needed a big start out of him, even after his previous two starts went very well. And he delivered again. And in delivering again, he drove his ZRA in July down below one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. <laughs> he went five and a third, shutout innings, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. Got the win on the day and got the job done big time. And at the time, the Yanks gave him a 3 nothing lead to work with. On another Glaber home run his second in as many at-bats, which didn't even feel like real life at that time, given how few home runs he's hit this year, to have two home runs in two at-bats, I thought I was dreaming. But anyways, they got the other runs on an RBI ground out by Stanton, and at first I thought it was going to be another double play, but then he actually hustled down the line, so it was an RBI ground out. And then a sack fly by the man who really had a solid weekend, <laughs> Greg Allen, and he was really the main talking point after that weekend ended by me and everyone else. And obviously we know, at least I know, how little offensively Greg Allen has produced over the years, the few years he's actually been in the major leagues. But you know what? When he provided as much as he did against the Red Sox throughout that weekend, ever since getting the call up, with basically almost every single one of the regulars out... I mean, he was the main talking point, and I had a great time talking about him, how the Yankees should build a statue for him and everything. <laughs> and obviously, I'm kidding about that, but it was fun to talk about at the time. It was fun. The Yankees leading up to this series right now in Boston at Fenway Park, since the All-Star break, were fun. For basically the first time this year. So when someone like Greg Allen brings a fun spark to the team, you're going to talk about it. So anyways, they gave Tyone three runs again until he was done, and then while the bullpen took care of business after that, with Green going an inning and two-thirds scoreless, Britton getting two outs but then having a run charged to him with Litke finishing his inning after, and Chapman pitching a shutout ninth with a massive lead, the offense exploded, providing that big lead. Rugnetto Dor, two-run shot. Glaber and Giddens, both with bases loaded walks. Glaber really had himself some weekend, man. And in the eighth, Ryan Lamar hit an oppo taco port shot, a two-run shot. And when all was said and done, score was 9-1. to one, And the Yanks, as I said earlier, would win by that score. Getting their second win against Boston this year. And taking the series, which they desperately needed. But during the winning effort, there would be a negative, because when isn't there? Because when have injuries had any mercy whatsoever on this team the last few years? Even with minor league guys or newly acquired guys? The answer is never. And that would unfortunately continue with Trey Ambergy 
straining his hamstring, running down to first base. And they said it was a cramp at first, and then it ended up being a strain. So, he was placed on the 10-day IL, retroactive to the 19th. And we've spoken about him plenty, including last week, but this was ultimately what it took for him to be called up. But with Ambergie going down, Estevan Florial was called up in the meantime to replace his spot. And that call-up happened officially on Tuesday, after the off day on Monday. And speaking of Tuesday, the Phillies came to town. And I came into this series emphasizing how important it was that the Yankees sweep them in this two-game set. Estevan Florial was in the lineup. DJ was out with the stomach bug, wasn't COVID-related, so another man down on Tuesday with DJ being out. But fortunately, it wouldn't prevent another win. Their third in a row. Herman started, and he was okay, I guess. He didn't go deep into the game, and he didn't have an easy time getting through his four innings of work, allowing three hits, two runs, on a solo shot by Hoskins. Herman's 17th home run given up on the season now. Home run troubles continue. And on an RBI double to former Yankee, Ronald Torres, which amused me for some reason. But <laughs> anyways, those two runs, three walks, and five strikeouts, and little length in his four innings of work, but again, he hasn't really started many games in the last few weeks. And even in not starting many games in the last few weeks, he just hasn't been good at all either. He's been terrible, as a matter of fact. So, but in this start in particularly, I wouldn't say good, but I also wouldn't say it was a catastrophe. And by the time he was done, they were trailing 2-1, to actually. The Yanks got their first run on an RBI ground out by Floreal, who had a very nice first night back for himself. Drove in my man Greg Allen, who led off that inning with a triple. Yankee legend Greg Allen again. <laughs> and then they tie it up at two after because of... Guess who? Greg Allen. Started the fifth inning with a walk. Stole second. Tagged up to third on a flyout. And then scored on a throwing error by Didi. Secretly still helping out the Yanks, DD is, I see. How nice of him. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I gotta tell you, Greg Allen really drove the point home this past week how vital the elements of speed and aggression are on the base paths. And as we well know, before this last week or week and a half or so, those two elements of the game haven't really been strong suits of this team whatsoever. <laughs> So it's really awesome to see that. I love it. And then on a rare Gardner home run after that, a solo shot, the Yanks took a 3-2 lead. And from that fifth inning on, after Herman was done, again, the bullpen took over, and other than Britton allowing a third run in the eighth and Chapman a fourth run in the ninth when he earned his 17th save, they got the job done for five innings. All while the Yankees took that 3-2 lead and built on it. They'd add three more on three solo shots. I've been calling them the solo shot kings, and they don't disappoint. <laughs> the first one was a moonshot by Gary, then Stanton, and then, fresh out of AAA, Estevan Florial. First Major League home run for him. So congratulations to him, and good on the offense, 
and good on the pen for holding the lead. If only that continued this weekend against the Red Sox. But anyways, <laughs> Sessa continued to do well. Shutout inning and a third. Litke shutout inning. Chad Green got two huge strikeouts in a big seventh inning jam. And then Zach and Chapman, as I said before, finished it off. Yanks won 6-4 to four and would go for the two-game sweep on Wednesday. Small ball, speed and aggression on the base paths leading to manufacturing runs, power, high energy, all the things that you love to see in baseball were in this game. And honestly, that continued on Wednesday, mostly. The only difference being that at the end, the bullpen gave us more heart attacks, as if they haven't given us enough since their first two months of dominance. But nevertheless, thankfully, they would still win the game. Despite Asher Wojciechowski being called up to make the start... Someone with a career ERA around six. <laughs> Called up in exchange for Hoy Park, who had one hole at bat up here. Poor freaking guy. <laughs> but anyway, even though Wojciechowski's innings were no picnics whatsoever, he did manage to somehow make it through four and only allow two runs, despite all the trouble he kept getting into. So, whatever, we'll take it. <laughs> The Yanks would then tie it at two, though, on another Glaber home run. Crazy, I know. (laughs) And a Greg Allen RBI double. The man just kept coming through. Then, Albert Abreu and, shockingly, Justin Wilson threw up zeros for the next three innings. Abreu for an inning and two-thirds, as he continues to do great when given the chance. And Wilson for an inning and a third followed by the Yankees scoring three in the seventh on a big RBI single by Stanton and another home run by Odor, a two-run shot. That made it 5-2. to two. Feeling good heading into the eighth with Britain. But then, the heart attack. Glaber, ball right through his legs like Bill Buckner reincarnated. Error, two walks issued by Britain afterwards. He did get an out, though, but then... Boone brings in none other than the man who couldn't locate if a gun was to his head, Nick Nelson, into a bases-loaded, one-out jam. And to no one's surprise, on a two-run single and a wild pitch on one of the worst thrown change-ups I've ever seen in my time on this earth, he allowed the Phils to tie it at five. And it would stay that way until the walk-off in the bottom of the 10th. Chapman pitched a scoreless ninth, so another scoreless outing for him at the time. Good to see. And then Brooks Krisky, basically the only guy left in the pen in the 10th inning during Manfred League baseball. He's usually god-awful. And he would get back to being so the next night, but at least on Wednesday, he pitched a scoreless 10th. So, they got a gift. He somehow pitched a scoreless 10th inning. So if they didn't walk it off after that, that would have just been rude. (laughs) Well, fortunately, they did. On a Ryan Lamar RBI single, Yanks complete the much-needed two-game sweep of the Phillies and headed to Boston on a high note. Short bullpen and all. Needing length out of Montgomery to start the important four-game set. And it was a decent amount of length that they got out of him. 
He went five and two-thirds shutout with a 55-minute rain delay around the middle of it in Boston. Just three hits, a walk, and six strikeouts in game one against the Red Sox. Really solid start by him. And then Sal Romano, having just been called up from AAA for bullpen help in exchange for Wojciechowski, who since has elected free agency since being taken off the roster, got the last out of that sixth and the first out of the seventh. So nicely done by Romano. First night being called upon right away. And at that point, the Yanks just had a one nothing lead on a ground ball by Glaber that drove Gardner home from third base. So it was a close game. Litke came in after for the final two outs of the seventh, and he struggled. He allowed a game-tying sacrifice fly that had a crucial error that preceded it by none other than the elite defender, Tyler Wade. So tied at one, heading into the eighth, and then all of those small ball elements that, again, usually you seldom see with the Yankees came back. All of the elements of baseball that I love to see alongside all the others, like power and things like that. Gotta have a balance of it all if you ask me. But it all came back, as it did against the Phillies before. Big time small ball in the eighth, and all done against Adam Adovino to make matters even better. (laughs) DJ led off with a walk, then he stole a base. Again, the base stealing has been so much higher for the Yankees lately. I love that. Gardner worked a nine-pitch walk after that. Stanton, RBI single to center. Although I have to say in this series up to this point, other than this hit, he's been utterly brutal at the plate. That's not an attack on him. I mean, he's been one of the best hitters on the team this year. I'm just saying. But anyways, RBI single here. Odor, sacrifice bunt, bunted Gardner to third and Stanton to second. And then Glaber hit a sacrifice fly to drive in the previously bunted over Brett Gardner. So truly an awesome inning. They created runs, and I didn't even know what team I was watching for a second. <laughs> so it was 3-1 to one at that point, feeling really good, until Chad Green had to have another meltdown in the bottom of the ninth and allow the Red Sox to tie it at 3. So another late-game meltdown in a game that the Yankees should have and really would have loved to have to start the series at Fenway. Absolutely horrible. Top of the 10th, Gardner sack fly gave the Yankees a lead again, 4-3, to three, but that didn't last long because, as I said before, with Brooks Krisky losing it in the first game at Fenway, well, he was called upon again, bottom of the 10th, and good lord almighty, what a nightmare this inning was. Four wild pitches and a sack fly later, Red Sox win 5-4. to four. And as I said before, this would have been huge to start this very important series with a win and then hand the ball to Cole on Friday. But after yet another late game meltdown Utter collapse. Blew another ninth inning lead. Chad Green with another choke job. And Krisky throwing four wild pitches. They lost five to four. 
completely on Chad. This was totally Chad's fault, and I've been arguing this for days, and I still will. Despite how terrific and quick Sessa was in the 8th, and believe me, you guys know this about me, I am no fan of Boone's either, really. But I can't blame Boone for trusting Chad Green to close this one game out like it was his damn job to do that night with a short pen, no less against the bottom part of the damn order. He choked. That's that. If not for that, that 10th inning travesty with Brooks Krisky doesn't even happen. As embarrassing as that was, too. To that point, the worst loss of the entire season. Or at least one of them. Like, we haven't already said that like 12 times this season already, but... Just given the circumstances of the playoff push, and how embarrassing the ending was there how they managed to lose twice in the ninth and 10th innings, and against the Red Sox, no less, how embarrassing it was. Just terrible. Terrible. On the one night that the Yankees needed him to close out the game, Chad Green had to get the job done, especially with how much is on the line, not only every single day in general, but especially in vital games like this against the Boston Red Sox, who you've already done terrible against this year. You can't have that happen. You just can't. And as much as I can't stand Boone sometimes, he gave the ball to Chad Green with a shortened bullpen. Chad Green, one of the top relievers who you expect to be able to get this job done upon getting the call, and he didn't. He failed. Regardless of how little pitches Sessa had the inning prior, and I hear people saying that that's the best argument of the bunch that I was receiving amongst all the ridiculous ones that night, that they should have at least maybe left Sessa in for the beginning and had Chad Green ready just in case things went south. But no! No! You have Chad Green in the bullpen, he's one of your top relievers even when everybody's available, and he should be able to get three outs in the bottom of the ninth! And especially on a night with a shortened pen, you go to him. And he should be able to get it done. And he failed. That's all there is to it. Like so many guys have failed in these late game meltdowns that I'm so tired of seeing. It's games like this, like I said in the social media segment, that just have people believing that this team just ultimately won't go anywhere because they keep on blowing games like this that are so important. And how many of these bone-crushing defeats can you take as a team? Anyways, listen, it was Chad's fault. I don't know what to tell you. It's Chad's fault. He failed. He knows it was his fault. And anybody with a clue knows that it was his fault. He just didn't get the job done upon being called on. He didn't get it done. He choked. But anyways, right after the game ended, the Yanks thankfully optioned Brooks Krisky back to Triple A. And I mean, the, the kid just can't pitch. It had to happen. He can't pitch. Th- those four wild pitches, I, I didn't even... I felt like I was in a bizarre dream watching that bottom of the 10th inning. I didn't even know what I was watching. Four wild pitches. The Red Sox scored two runs on wild pitches and a sacrifice fly. I mean, just the methods of embarrassment just continue. They cannot stop finding different ways to humiliate themselves. 
The one silver lining in this whole thing is that Luizaga and Nestor Cortez were reactivated on Friday. Both huge pluses for the bullpen, of course. And they also optioned Nick Nelson, by the way. Something else that just needs to happen and stay that way. Another one like Krisky who just can't locate, can't pitch for his life. And Darren O'Day, too, as expected, was also transferred to the 60-day IL from the 10-day IL. Going to be out for the rest of the season, as I mentioned last week. So, two big pieces in the bullpen coming back again, heading into Friday's game. Too bad it wouldn't much matter, considering the Yanks fell right back into their scoring habit on Friday. Or, should I say, lack thereof. Because, other than a Gardner RBI double in the second in an inning that they should have done far more in after that, had second and third, no one out that inning after that double, and didn't add on, they basically did nothing offensively. Even had runners on second and third and two outs in the seventh, and didn't score. So the offense returned to incompetence, leaving Garrett Cole out there just to dry. And Garrett threw a lot of pitches. He threw a lot of pitches, which is why he only lasted through five, and he ultimately ran out of gas at the end of that fifth. But it certainly would have helped if they gave the guy more than one lousy run to work with. And in that fifth, he gave up a sack fly, and then a two-run shot to Devers, who would later hit a three-run shot off Cortez and get five RBIs on the night. But anyways, Cole's final line before that damage done at the end of the fifth, with all of those pitches thrown, other than that damage done, he did very well despite throwing all of those pitches. Total of five innings, six hits, three hits until the damage was done in the fifth. The three runs, two walks, and eight strikeouts. Just sucks that the offense was a corpse again, and Cole took an undeserved loss because of that. And he could have been in much better position if not for the Yankees choking offensively all night, especially in that second inning. So then that Devers three-run shot I mentioned before made it 6-1, to one, and that was basically the end of the game. Night after losing one of the worst games of the season, which, again, after all the shameful losses this year is saying a lot, they went out there and just didn't hit. Great strategy, guys. Brilliant. Terrific job. <laughs> Yanks lost 6-2 to two after scoring one useless run in the ninth on a Stanton RBI single. Oh, and Gary left the game with back spasms too, in case there wasn't enough pain to deal with. Thankfully, he's back in the lineup today, but he did leave that game in the fifth inning with back spasms. And yesterday, the holiday was continuing for the Yankee offense. They only had five hits heading into the eighth inning, which was actually more than the Red Sox had at the time, but the Red Sox in the earlier part of the game made their hits count and took advantage of crappy defense by Odor. But the Yankee bats again, until that eighth inning, and against Ivaldi again, were just absolutely dead. Had nothing going whatsoever. Then the eighth inning came around, and out of nowhere, with Ivaldi still in the game, Gardner, RBI single, Ivaldi taken out of the game, and like I said before, he was dead dominating the Yankees, and it really looked like he was going to be throwing a damn complete game shutout. (laughs) So he was taken out. Ottavino comes in again, and they just bombed him. (laughs) Did even better against him than they did on Thursday. 
Stanton, ground rule double, a bloop ground rule double that fortunately landed and bounced into the right field stands. A big break. Moved Gardner to third. And then Odor coming in in another big moment. Game-tying double, making up for his errors before. And then Glaber dunking a bloop RBI single into right to give them a 4-3 lead in that eighth. And the team was looking like a corpse again, but they found life in that eighth inning. They really did. And all throughout the game up until that point, for seven innings, Tyone with his fourth consecutive solid start. And good on him, man. He's been great in the month of July, as I mentioned earlier, since that start in Philly. He's been incorporating all of his pitches much better. He's incorporating that two-seamer much more. The four-seamer's looking good. He's mixing his breaking balls and off-speed stuff much better. But seven innings yesterday, just four hits, three runs, but only one earned because of Odor's errors earlier in the game. Three walks and four strikeouts. So great job by him, and I hope he keeps it up. And because of the Yankees taking the lead in the eighth right after he was done and eventually holding it for the win after Loisica and Chapman pitched nerve-wracking but <laughs> scoreless 8th and ninth innings respectively, and Chaps found it a bit again lately. His control yesterday was pretty good. Just had more control of his pitches than usual. But anyways, again, after they'd get it done, Tyone would get the win. And because of the way he pitched, a deserved one at that, so good for him. He never gave in. Unfortunate because... If not for the late-game meltdown on Thursday, if you think about it, the Yanks could have very well won two of the last three in Boston heading into today. Because they could have won on Thursday, and they would have lost Friday naturally, and then they won yesterday on Saturday. So they could have very well been coming into this game today on Sunday, getting ready to take the series. Those late-game meltdowns, man, I've said it over and over again, but they have really stunted the Yankees' progress when they've been on good paths, or seemingly starting to get on a good path. The Angels game, the Astros game, even the Met game when Chapman melted down, or even that Red Sox and Yankees game at Yankee Stadium a couple of series ago against them. And then Thursday night's game. You can't keep having those. You just can't. But they did manage to grab the win yesterday and prevent another meltdown, so there's that at least. (laughs) So the Yanks won 4-3, big win, and look to at least split the series today. And again, they could be trying to take the series if not for Chad Green on Thursday. So frustrating. <laughs> but in any event, a gutsy comeback win like that, like yesterday, in the grand scheme of things, could prove to be really big. Or not. You have to at least salvage the split today. But regardless, really good win yesterday. And as they say, they definitely snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. And also, just an interesting note from the first three games in this series against the Red Sox, but through the first three games of the series here, and we'll see if this continues today by chance in the fourth and final game of the series, but in the first three games, the team who scored first and has the lead first has gone on to lose the game. Not sure if anybody else noticed that trend, but pretty interesting in this series. And we'll see if that happens to happen again today. Alright, anyway, speaking of grand scheme of things, 
What's ahead? At least for the next week until we chat again next Sunday. Well, I'll tell you. Just hang on a second. Jeez. (laughs) You got today's game, the final one in Boston. Obviously, you know the results of it listening to this either tonight when it drops or later on in the week. But again, Gio is back today. They also transferred Tim LaCastro to the 60-day IL like we all said they would eventually. And Chris Giddens lands on the IL as of this morning with a right ankle sprain that we saw yesterday when he stepped on the bat after that soft ground ball in front of home plate. So, another injury. Hopefully it's short term. And Boone said that it's because of this injury that Stanton isn't playing the outfield today like he said he most likely would. He wanted to DH Giddens, apparently. I mean, Floreal isn't in the lineup. And I know they're facing a lefty in Perez today, but you really couldn't DH Floreal, maybe? You're playing Gardner over him again, so you can't DH him, sit Guardy, since I think it's safe to say that Floreal can make something happen offensively more than Gardner can at this point. And considering Gardner literally, like, never sits, maybe you put Allen in center, get Stanton some outfield reps. Ah, what do I know? I'm just some guy doing a podcast, right? Or so some would probably say. Listen, I don't need Stanton playing the outfield. I've said this already. But this is a discussion because the Yanks have been mentioning it. And I do think that him getting outfield reps opens up other opportunities for the lineup. But now we probably won't see it until next weekend against Miami. And hopefully it'll be easier to do maybe when someone like Judge comes back from the COVID list. So with Judge coming back, you have more options to work with. But anyway, obviously the good news of the day is our man Gio coming back. Very happy about that. Tomorrow is an off day. Tuesday starts the important series we've spoken about for weeks now. The three game set in Tampa. And yes, this is also the final series before the deadline on Friday the 30th. And also the series that we should expect Judge and Higashioka back, by the way. Don't want to end without mentioning that. But anyways, Tuesdays and Wednesdays games will be at 7.10 Eastern. And Thursdays will be at 1.10 Eastern. And Friday starts a three-game interleague series matchup against the Marlins. So they'll be staying in Florida for the time being after they're done with the Rays. Friday's game will be at 7.10 Eastern. Saturday at 6.10 Eastern. It's a weird start time. And Sunday, when I talk to you again, will be at 1.10 Eastern. And with that being said, my friends, that is all for episode 106 of Yapping Yankees. Please remember to follow me on all social medias, as always, so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero. And you can follow me on Instagram at MikeScuds97. Also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. Don't forget to leave a like under the video, too. And also show some love to Yapping Yankees on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud as well. And while you're at it, if you got the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 106 today are available on YouTube 
and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, August 1st, the start of the second to last month of the regular season. Can't freaking believe it. When I come at you with episode 107 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, as always, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and Yankees, no matter what happens, regardless of which direction, show that you give a damn and that you have a pulse, and make a move. Do something, for the love of God. You put us through enough. (laughs) Oh, and also, before I forget, one of these days, when you have a lead late in the game, why don't you try holding it? There's an idea. Enjoy your week, my friends, and take care.